Are you ready? I'm ready. Hello, and welcome back to Sassy Sassanax. I'm Kasaya. And I'm Leanne. And we are rereading the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon, one chapter at a time, and discussing it. Today, we are talking about Chapter 7, Davy Beaton's Closet of Outlander, Book 1. All right. This is the summary for Chapter 7, Davy Beaton's Closet. Claire is called back to Column Study to talk, and she immediately is curious what this could be about. It turns out Mrs. Fitz had been talking her up to Column and the rest of the castle, praising her healing abilities. Column asks if she has any connections to Clan Beaton, and Claire confirms that she does not. Column explains that they are a well-known family in this area who are mostly healers of great renown. She tells, he tells, Claire that they used to have a beaten healer at the castle, but he has since passed away, and they've been getting by with Mrs. Fitz, and she's very busy and would be glad to let Claire take over the job. Column shows Claire to the late beaten surgery and lets her explore the dark, dusty room which has clearly not been inhabited since its last owner died. Claire spends some time looking through the surgery once Colum leaves, and revels in the fact that this is the first time since she has arrived at the castle that she hasn't had someone watching her every move. She lets her mind wander back to what happened at Craig Nadun and tries to make sense of it. She reflects a lot on what it felt like and what she remembered in the space between then and now, and is interrupted by two young girls who were sent up to clean the surgery before Claire begins working out of it. One of them informs her that she's missed lunch again, and if she wants to head to the kitchen to find something to eat, they should have the place cleaned up by the time she returns. Claire agrees to this and decides to bring some food to Jamie in the horse paddock, as he appears to have missed lunch as well. They get to talking, and he reveals that he is an outlaw with a price of ten pounds sterling on his head for a murder he didn't commit. He admits that McTavish isn't his real last name, and in an instant of compassion, Claire has the urge to fix his unruly hair for him. Instead, she asks why his hair is short, and he says it's because his head had been shaved recently by the monks at the monastery he mentioned a few chapters ago. He reveals that he had a pretty serious head injury that took some months to recover from, and he doesn't remember how he got it. Old Alec, the horse master, arrives, and he and Jamie get to talking about the horses, and Claire falls asleep for a bit. She does awaken enough to hear a bit of their conversation, and when it turns from horses to Jamie's potential romantic interests, she decides that they should now know that she is awake, and dramatically wakes up. She tries to doctor Jamie's shoulder, but he brushes her off, and she thinks maybe he's embarrassed to show his back with Alec there. On her way back to the castle, after this, Claire surmises that the injury was most likely from a battle axe, and that means that it must have been another Highlander who attacked him. She returns to the surgery to find that it is clean and neat and finishes going through all the supplies. Just as she is finished, two young boys show up, one clearly injured, and she gets to doctoring. (laughs) So we start off by... We start off with Column asking to see Claire. Mm-hmm. And he, we like see the birds again, and Column's like in a good mood. And he's, he's chilling like, with his birds. He's chilling with the birds, and like he's got calluses on his fingers from where the birds land, and like, you know. Oh, that's that not jazz. why he has calluses on his fingers. Oh, that's why I thought he had calluses on his that's, fingers. That's a much nicer reason. Aww. He, it's a, it's a, an effect of his condition. He's got really heavily calloused fingers and toes. It's just uh, it's just a part of it? Yeah. Oh. So she's just noting these things. Mm. I and she said something like it's un- it's uh, it was unlikely that he had done manual labor. So she was trying to figure out why. I thought it was just because the birds. Sorry. Ugh, anyway. Sorry to ruin your bubble. Damn it. All right, anyway. But so the birds are adorable. I really love the birds. 
Um, and then he starts talking about how Mrs. Fitz is like noting that she'd been like patching people up, which first of all gives me a warm and fuzzy Mrs. Fitz is talking. Right? About and she's like saying nice things. She's no, praising her. I love her. Everybody needs a Mrs. Fitz in their oh, life. Oh, seriously. Um, and then he asks if, if she's a beaten. And she's like, she still What's doesn't know what a beaten is. And he's like flabbergasted that she doesn't know. He's just like, oh. Which is like another weird suspicious thing. Like yeah. apparently if you if you lived around this area, know. you should know this. No, they're very famous in the Highlands, you know. Um, <laughs> whatever. So but then uh, he's like, you have some work with healing. Like you're just like, yes, I kind of know stuff about it and whatever. Um, and... So he's like, well, maybe while you are here, you can uh, be, you can take the place of our doctor. We don't have one anymore. We used to have one. Something happened. Mm-hmm. And it's her first doctor job. I know. And like, it becomes a really big thing for her. A huge thing. And like, you know, she goes through the chest in this chapter. It's towards the end of the chapter. Okay. But, like, and that's her first doctor chest and her first doctor log. And Can I make a like... comparison here? Because this is this is very relevant for me because I've been teaching. This is my third year. But it's the first year that I have a space, like a mm-hmm. classroom. And so showing up to my classroom at the beginning of the year you know, it was all packed full of crap and I had to kind of sift through everything and figure out what I wanted to keep in it. Was This scene makes me think about that. And now it's like I've, I've created a space for myself in this in this building um, that is weirdly kind of castle-like, even though it's just a school. But it's mm-hmm. very, very reminiscent of all of these things. But I totally identify with that feeling of like, okay, like I'm going to clean every inch of this place. I'm going to go through everything. I'm going to make a giant keep pile, make a throwaway pile, and, like, make the space my own. I love it. And, like, really feel like I belong here. It is honestly, like, the biggest part of this chapter is yeah. her finding... I don't want to say purpose, right? Like, well, but finding, a like, purpose. something... Like, a job, honestly. Like, just, like, something to fill the day with that she loves and is good at. Yeah. And, like, that is so... So valuable for just like your sanity for yeah mental health like, yeah to be able to, to get through something you know especially when you're something um, as insane and traumatic as what yeah. she's just gone through mm-hmm. it has not been a week it has been like four days well three days were the last chapter so like four or five days yeah, yeah. something like that wow we're actually getting normal time passage in yeah. chapters look at this so yeah do. so she gets Same surgery yeah she gets the surgery right away mm-hmm yeah, and, and we get all of the stuff from Davy Beaton. She reads um, a log from his log book about, I forget her name, uh, Sarah something, I think. Yes, her name is Sarah. I want to say Sarah Proctor, but that's no. wrong. <laughs> her last name is Mackenzie, but she has like a middle name or like but, a, a yeah, maiden but, name. But so Sarah's um, finger... And she's like, oh, did it heal well? And it's literally like a pricked finger. It's so from minor. The spinning wheel. Yeah. And no. And Colin's like, dead. nah. And he like does this like weird smirk, which is so like dark. I think it's just about the fact that the doctor was a really bad doctor. Yes. Like it's all about like, yes. nope, could have cured that one either. You yeah, know, yeah, we got the crappy one. Yeah. Like he's probably the screw up in his family. I'm sad that we never actually meet any other beaten. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we won't leave another beaten. 
she gets um, her logbook. She gets her logbook. I still think they killed the doctor. Well, I mean, it's never proven or disproven. I don't remember if I talk about it. Maybe not. You're but thinking, we just know we just know that he's dead. You're thinking of a different doctor. Uh, no, I know they kill that one and they bury him in the tomb or whatever. Yeah. But like, no, I'm talking about this yeah. doctor. I think he just sucks. I think he just sucks. Maybe kill himself. <laughs> Oh, did they say? Did he get a fever or something? Yeah, he got a oh, fever and right. tired him off. Maybe, okay, never mind. Maybe they didn't kill the doctor. Yeah, I think he just stuck um, to being a doctor. Yeah. So, she's, like, kind of going through stuff and is like, okay, maybe I'll just wait until the maids come to go through the rest of it because it's very dusty in here. So, she sits down on the big crate to think. And this is the first time she kind of allows herself to reflect on a, like, factual level. Yeah. About what happened. She'd reflected a little bit, you know, when she breaks down in Jamie's arms on an emotional yeah, level. Yeah, but that, that has passed. But we're know? now in a literal, how do I get back? I need concrete steps. Right. I need to understand how I got here in the first place. And she breaks it down. Mm-hmm. And I love this entire description. Yeah, it's really um, good. Yeah. So she notes that the, the, the wall she's leaning against is stone and she notes that it feels very solid. And then she compares that to the feeling of traveling through the stones mm-hmm. and how she's not sure if the screaming came from the stones themselves or from whatever it was that she was passing through, which made all the hairs on my arm stand up on end. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, ugh, ugh. like, people don't always come back out. Mm-hmm. So like, what is it? This is, I think, the longest running, you know, mystery of the books that we will never get an answer to. No, no, we're not. But there are so many theories and, like, like, what could it possibly be? And, like, what happens to people that are in there? And... So, there's a... And I might cut this because it's a bit of a tangent. But there's a theory... Um, not even a theory. So, Mists of Avalon, which you should read. Mm-hmm. Um... It, they have this whole segment where the main character goes into the fairy world. Cool. Um, and there's no screaming. There's no falling through stones. Like the the, the act of getting there is very different. Mm-hmm. But it is a place where all of time exists at once. Oh Jesus! So Why? in this world, there is no time. Right. And. You have to be very careful about how you come out of the world. Because you could pop Because back. you could pop back into any time I period. see, I see. So, which I think is just a phenomenal, like, uh... Well, if it's a pocket dimension. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, kind of, exactly, right? Basically. So, um, if, if it is just this literal physical space mm-hmm. where... All of time is existing yeah. at once. The rules don't apply the and same way. And you think about the, like, millions of years that has, this world has gone through and will go through, yep. billions, really, yep. I should say. Um, like, that's a lot of sound. It's, that's a lot of screaming. It would be screaming. It would be screaming. It would sound Especially like Especially if it was all happening at once. And I mean, you know, you mm-hmm. just, if, if you get, it, it's basically going to sound like interference. Yeah. Like the loudest version of interference. Which doesn't Roger compare it to static and interference? Yeah. He obviously has a different has, perception. Yes. You know, coming from the 60s and 70s where that was more of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But, so uh, but that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. So. I like that. She breaks, she breaks it down. Cracks through time is one of her 
kind of ways of thinking about it maybe. Yeah. She says, clearly um, I had been then and now or and now I am now or, yeah. or, or maybe the other way around. No, I think, she, yeah, because I had been then and now I'm now. I yeah. That's what she says, but yes. Um, Which is very, like a really deep way to say that. Like if you really think about what that means. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> ugh. I feel like I'm like uh, going off on like a stoner tangent, but. Woo. Like, yeah, she was then, and now she's now. Like, you're always now. Uh, you're never uh, then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you think about it too much, you just start to sound like a drug addict. It's oh, fine. my God. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. She talks about the sounds, how they're overwhelming. She compares them to battle. Mm. And this is the first time we really get a glimpse into not just the funny anecdotes that Claire has mm, or the skills that experience. she learned, but like her camp was shelled three times. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. This woman knows terror. I don't yeah. mean fear. I mean terror. Yeah. You know, like, like feeling like you are going to die. Yeah. And that, you know, she talks about how they all went inside and huddled together knowing that that was pointless, but what else were they supposed to do? Yeah. And, like, you need some sense of physical comfort. You need some sense of, like, well, I'm doing a thing, you know? Right. Even if the thing is pointless. I'm feeling doing like you're something. Doing it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you will just lose it. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I think it just, like, it hit me for the first time just exactly the kinds of experiences that she had gone through. Because we talked about, like, you know, the kind of side effects, like the rationing and the, right. obviously, her doctoring and, like, all that whatever But this is, like, jazz. her front-line yeah. experience. And, I mean, she, she's, you know, she knew she was going to be a battlefield nurse, but I don't think that anybody, and I'm talking out of my ass here because I'm not in the military, but I don't think that anybody who signs up, you know, to be in the military can really know what it's going to be like when you're there and you're under fire. Well, that, that, I mean, that is like the number one thing that veterans will say. Yeah. Is that it is impossible to describe and you cannot know what it is like until you have been there. Mm -hmm. That is like one of the most common kind of descriptors, which of course is not fully a descriptor, but like it gives you a sense of like, it's just undescribable. Yeah. 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 And, and I have a, crap ton of respect yeah. for for veterans and military families and you know like you often don't think about the people who aren't like you know the foot soldiers the people on the front mm-hmm. lines you know and this gives you a really stark look at you know the people who are like I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna help people and get bombed in the process mm-hmm. like it's crazy yeah um she uses the metaphor of drowning. Mm-hmm. Um, it, she says it feels like she was in water and that she's fighting towards a surface of some kind. That there were these images, these incomplete thoughts, which that fucking... Yeah. <sighs> which, like, also, if you take my headcanon, for lack of a better term, of all of time at once, like, right. that makes sense to me. Um, right. But also, what does that even mean? Right? Like, like how could you even, like, how could you translate that to screen? I don't know. You've seen the show. They didn't really. They just cut to black and then she kind of woke up with some noise? There's noise, mm-hmm. but there's not a visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and then the then stones didn't sound like I thought they were gonna. Well, yeah. Anyway, that's a little bit of the point. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And at the kind of end of this musing, she comes to the realization, right. and then she'd had it before, but like but nothing really was clear concrete. except that she had to go back, and she has to go back. And you know, like right, like she has left behind this huge life. Mm-hmm. Like she has to go back. Yeah. Um, and if you just think about this, yeah, right. You know, you know, like, like you can't tell anybody anything because they're gonna, they're probably gonna kill you. Think you're crazy. Burn you for she, being you know, a witch. She knows this, even though she hasn't had any of these experiences. That she knows that she sounds crazy mm-hmm. thinking these things and could mm-hmm. never say them out loud. You know, until later. When she does, and it's a big fucking deal when she does. Yeah, yeah, it's a very and it big takes deal. a lot for her to be believed. Ugh, I just want to get to that point of the book. Oh, <laughs> I love that point of the point. Anyway, hey, let's talk about the person that she gets to that point with. Jamie. Oh, my boyfriend. So the <laughs> the maids show up and they're like, "Hello," and she's like, "Oh wow, I thought through lunch," which I found to be fun. <laughs> so she's like, "Okay." And they were like, oh, you didn't show up to the noon meal. And so she goes to the kitchen and Mrs. Not Mrs. Baird. Mrs. Fitz. <laughs> Mrs. Fitz gives her lunch uh, and she brings it up to Jamie. Again. Again. Second day in second a row. Second day in a row they've had lunch together. And, um, yeah. And so then we get some more exposition. Um, he tells her so much shit. So much. But he should He's not an outlaw. Her. The English have a 10 pound sterling. Uh, reward for him because and we find he, out that's about half of a year's pay for somebody for in like this a area. Small farm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about like Mr. Darcy who brings home like 300 pounds a year. It's like, Whoo! oh my god. Whoo! I'm like, granted, that's like a hundred years later. Hundred? What year was that? Was that the 1800s? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So a hundred ish. Accounting for inflation. Years later. Yeah, so accounting for inflation, but still, you know. Anyway. Yeah, but it gives you a um, sense of, of the, the wealth disparity. There. Yeah. Um, we find <laughs> out that he's wanted for murder, but he didn't kill the man. We well, didn't kill that man. He didn't kill that man. <laughs> and he says, but I have taken some red coats in the process. So, it's probably you know, fair. It's probably fair, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so, so chill. I was going to say, he's so unconcerned. <laughs> you know. Eh, whatever. And she's like, Stunned, she's like, does, do, does, do people know this? She's like, oh, yeah, Colm knows it. It's fine. You know. cool. He's my uncle. We're tight. Um, so, yeah. So, there were friends who sprung him from Fort William, um, and the sergeant major was shot, and uh, he's like, I don't know. I didn't have anything particularly against the guy. I mean, I didn't like that he flogged me, but he was just following orders. Right. And then he says, but if it had been Randall, it would have been something else. And like, we know Jamie's history with Randall. We also know Jamie's future with Randall. And Mm. it's one of those things like, boy, you've no idea. Yeah, right, baby, stop. Like, (laughs) you want to kill him now? Just you wait. We will all, like... We will all want to kill him. We will all want to kill him. It's going to be a big Randall murder fest. (laughs) It's good. It's all good. Yeah. There's a cute thing that he does in this scene where he's, like, shifting and, like, he's uncomfortable in his shirt. Yeah. Like, and I think that probably comes from, like, being a large person and not always having clothes that fit him correctly. And having to, like, kind of shrug yeah, to get and, like, it to go the get way. get yourself all comfortable. But it's, like, a cute thing. It is thing. cute. I actually, I read it more as, um, 
him kind of scratching. Because you know when you have like a scratch in the middle of your back and you can't reach it and you have nothing to rub <laughs> against and you just kind of like <laughs> shimmy or roll your shoulders and like kind of pray. Yeah. Um, kind of pray that it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you imagine like he was flogged twice. He was all. And like, and he's all bloodied. No. When that heals. I don't want to imagine It's that. going to be itchy as hell. And so I can imagine him just sitting there. Granny's like fevered or whatever, right? And he's yeah. just like kind of rubbing his back against the wall in this like kind of almost like self-soothing, you know? Stop. That makes me want to just... <gasps> I literally just melted onto the table. Self-soothing is a thing that gets to me because I work with kids who have yeah. special needs. And a lot of them do this. And it, it looks weird. Yeah. From the outside. Like, I have a kid who will grab my hand and real forcefully rub it on his own head. And it looks weird, but I just let my hand go limp and I'm like, he needs that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's one thing that I can do for you. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, it, uh, yeah. that description yeah, just breaks yeah, yeah. my heart. God. Yeah. But it's really cute. I'm picking it up. I know. It's um, precious cinnamon roll. In the process of this, he says the line, you'll have gathered that my name's not McTavish. And so this, this scene, <laughs> he's so, and he's like flirting yes, with her. that's it. He's flirting, but he's like, it's like he's a little, not a little kid, but like, like he's a teenager and he's trying to impress her. Oh, totally. It's so cute. And like in the way that you're like, oh yeah, I'm a badass. Right, exactly. I've like done so much. I didn't even go to class last night. Exactly. exactly. Like, you know, like, oh I wrote in pen on my math test. Uh, like, take me now. Like, that is the, <laughs> yeah. That's the level of, like, dork I get from this. He's oh, an adorkable dork. child. He's, he's a big fat nerd. Um, he, he's a big fat nerd. Ugh. So, his, like, hair is rumpled, and this... There's a point about his hair. There's a point about his hair, and uh, they have this whole conversation about his hair... But his hair is rumpled, and Claire notes that she has a sudden urge to push it down, which to me marks, like, kind of the first thing of her, like, seeing him in a slightly different light. Right. It's the beginning of something. It's like a, wait wait a second. It's like a familiar, like... He's not a patient anymore. He's not even necessarily a friend anymore. He's a flirty friend. Like, it, 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 you have to have a certain level of comfort with someone to... For one, want to touch their hair, and two, be comfortable with the idea of it, and three, have them be comfortable with the idea of it. Great, she doesn't do she it. She doesn't do she it. She just thinks but about like, it. That but is like, that's like step one. Are, yeah. You know? Like, I play with Justin's hair all the time. Yeah, he's your husband. But exactly. That's yeah. my point. He's my husband. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't, like, play with other people's hair. <laughs> um... Yeah. And actually, what else is funny is I play with my little sister's hair. Mm. I, like, brush her hair. She hates it. I love it. <laughs> but, like, it's, I don't know, it's a hair yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I just find it funny because she's slowly, quickly becoming just a fucking wreck for this boy. Um, As we all are. Uh, so so we, find out, short hair? we find out the reason he has short hair, which is, like, not standard. Most mm-hmm. of the men have long hair mm-hmm. that they tie back. Um, is because the monks had to shave his head. And we knew Jamie had been in a monastery because there's this whole bit about it with her language. 
Um, you laid on the floor naked. Yeah. <laughs> for penance. I love it. God. Um, and so I, I didn't remember any of this, mm. but like he was, he. Well, what happened? Yeah. So he's like on a hunting party, I think, or something. And he was like looking, he had just pricked his finger and he was noticing how the blood was the same color as the holly berries of the like plant he pricked mm-hmm. his finger on. And the next thing he knew, he was waking up in France. Right, like, and it all goes dark. And it just all went dark, and he was and waking up in France. And that time. Yeah, and and so, like, I don't, we don't find out how long of a time it is. But it has to be at least long enough for him to, like, be seriously injured, them to realize that he's seriously injured, and send him to France yeah. to then get, like, doctored enough and, to, like, wake and back up. And recover enough to wake back up. I yeah. mean, you know, it so, like, could have easily months. been a month. Months. Yeah. yeah. Month or months. Um, And so they send him to France makes a lot of sense um and he like has all these headaches and he was blind for a bit and he shows claire his scar which she... and it's clearly a very recent scar yeah like it's within the past like year or yeah something, right so this all happened like right before she showed up yeah um and yeah and she has a lot of whatever Theories about it. She doesn't have. She doesn't really think about that anyway, right now. But we know that Jamie's a cat. We know that Jamie's a cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is life number one. That was one of his nine lives. I mean, quite possibly he. I think already... it was his second one because yeah. he, there was one when he was a kid. There was one when he was um, a kid. He, don't, he had like a fever. Mm-hmm. But we'll find out about the nine lives in a few books and many books. Um, but this is one of his nine lives. Um, and then he's like kind of finishing up telling the story. They're eating lunch, whatever, and old Alec. Shows up, um, <laughs> Jamie introduces them, and then they like pretty much immediately start talking shop. And Claire <laughs> zones the fuck <laughs> out. And it's one of my like, yeah, she she did it with Frank. She she's just does that. Doing it with Jamie when she's not interested, she's not interested. She's gonna take a nap. Yeah, and she does. Which she she mentioned earlier, um, you know, sleeping with somebody. Mm-hmm. is a mark of trust. And so her allowing herself to really just drift off, like, almost in Jamie's lap. Almost. Oh, definitely. You know? Like, she has a really weird closeness with this very large, very bloody Scottish man she oh, just yeah. met. <laughs> Who just flirted with her hella dorkily. Yeah, there's major flirting going on. So cute. Um, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so she kind of she like drifts in and out, and then when she finally starts to come back to, she pretends to still be asleep so that she can listen to them talk, which is like totally a girl thing. Oh my god, I totally I do that. that. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, so they're talking about things, and then they start talking about real things, and they're mm-hmm. talking about the gathering as she's waking up, and. Oh, the gathering. And old Alec is asking Jamie whether or not he's going to call her Mackenzie, mm-hmm. basically. And mm-hmm. Jamie's like, I can't give up everything that I was born into. So and old Alec like, knows who Jamie is. Yes. Yes, he does. He knows his father. Yeah. You know, Black Brian. And, like, he he gets it. He knows. Um, and Jamie's all, like, he's, he's so cute. He's like, you knew my dad? Yeah. He's like, tell me. Like, tell me about my like, he grew up with his dad, but still, it's like that, like, oh, tell me stories, because, like, I miss that, you know? I miss him, and he died too young. He's a baby. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's a baby. 
he says old Alec calls him stubborn as your da. And then Jamie says they're like, stubborn. gets like prideful at that. Right? He's like, oh, Yes, I yeah, am. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know it. Um so then Oh, Alex talking about, like, well, I know, like, you forswearing everything that you're born to, whatever, but also when it comes to fighting for the Stuarts, which I'm like, when I read that, that line was thrown at the beginning, in I was casually. just like, I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, nice. so that'll come back, I guess, and now on rereads, and I'm like, because <gasps> I knew nothing about Scottish history, I was just like, yeah, cool, That's Scotland, it's North of England, cool. Like, they talk so funny. Like, yeah, it's all I knew. I am Scottish. That's Same. All I, do. I know. It's really bad. Anyway. Um, yeah, but this is like a, this is a big deal. Still, this is a huge deal. Like and to this day. Oh yeah. And um, this gets brought up early. Really early, and like already, that like this question about whether or not Clan Mackenzie is going to go with the Stuarts or against them, mm-hmm. and like where Jamie wants to fall on that line, right. and like where your loyalties are, and this like kind of larger political and, like having scheme. to make that decision, yeah, and like eeping into like everyday life and like how we exist, which like obviously like you know that happens and mm-hmm. has happened, but all like it's just it's it's, interesting. it's crazy to yeah. contemplate that somebody who is essentially our age, I mean he's twenty four, I'm twenty five, mm-hmm. is having to make these very large life decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I don't know if I could do that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. But so then, uh, old Alec is talking about all of the you know benefits <laughs> of swearing for um, Clan Mackenzie, and he says, you know. Even like, penniless, you still have all the ladies right. They're like throwing themselves at you. Oh my god! And they're like, which is oh, like yeah. teasing. It's adorable. So cute. Like flies to a honeypot. You know, like oh my. And god. Jamie's clearly like he's uncomfortable. so embarrassed. He's just like, <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but okay, whatever. I just like horses. Um, cool. And um, and then he like is teasing about Leary, and mm-hmm. he's like. Hey, care anything for her and he just kind of rolls his eyes like whatever sure even this English woman can't like stay away from <laughs> you so it's like alright time to wake up now yeah and she's like mm, okay <laughs> wakey wakey and like makes a big show of it and when she finally looks at Jamie he's like not looking at her at all <laughs> like he's like staring at the ground and he has like a pink tinge mm-hmm. in his cheeks she says and his ears and his ears I just oh. I love it when ears blush <laughs> Anyway. And then Alec is like, oh, so you like horses? And she's like, well, I couldn't say no. So she gets a lesson on horses. Um, and then old Alec, this, I don't actually remember pulled out. He basically, these, well, he doesn't leave. He, like, tells her, like, oh, well, you can come back anytime. And she's like, it was clearly a dismissal. But I didn't leave. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it was. And um, yeah, because, because she hasn't doctored him yet. Right, she hasn't done the thing she wants to do. She hasn't done the thing she wants to do again. And she fell asleep instead. And um, but he won't let her doctor him. And my theory is because he doesn't want to show his back while old Alec is there. Mm-hmm. Because she's already seen it and he can't mm-hmm. hide it from her anymore. Mm-hmm. But like he doesn't want and like this is a common thing that Jamie doesn't take his shirt off he doesn't around take his shirt his men. off. Like or like when other people do, it's yeah. noticeable that he does not. Yeah. And it's funny because he actually later on, like when other when a, another guy would like wear just his pants, he like wears just his long shirt yeah. if it's too hot. Like that's so 
weird. Anyway, so that's my theory about why he wouldn't let her doctor it's a, it's him. That's a good theory. Um, I agree with that theory. And so she, he says that he's going to, like, come and visit her, right? Right, like At later. the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be fine. And she's like, okay, whatever. Um, and then as she's walking away, she's, like, thinking about his scar and, like, It couldn't have been a broadsword. Yeah. It couldn't have been, like, all these things. And she's like, it's a curved, um, slightly curved weapon. And she's thinking about what she knows historically, which she has, like, very weird historic historical knowledge mm-hmm. well frank only yeah. some stuff sticks <laughs> it's like just throwing crab at the wall see what sticks yeah. but like so she just knows like random weaponry and she's like oh well a highland battle axe could do that but that would mean that it was a scot which is like a oh, boom, boom, boom. yeah and i don't remember and I know we find out, and I know you know. Because I wrote in big capital letters. She, she wrote in her notes, I don't remember. And I wrote, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw you. I so don't remember who hits him, but... It doesn't come out for a long time. I, I think it comes out at the end of the Probably next the book. the second book, I think, is when it does. Because I, I kind of... And it's a big fucking deal. Anyway... So she goes back to the surgery and it's all been cleaned by the lovely ladies. And so she starts to organize it and she creates her piles like you were talking about with your teacher piles. piles. And uh, Marie Kondo, please. (laughs) (laughs) She's like going through all of the different things and like discovering what they are, discovers that like mouse ears aren't a nice little herb, but are actual Actual mouse mouse ears. ears. And horse dung. Horse dung, sheep dung, um, powdered human skull. Yeah. And her only comment is, whose? <laughs> she was like, uh, remains from an Egyptian mummy. And she's like, this probably came out of a sand bed, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then my favorite is the Slaters. The Slaters. The Slaters. 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 And she's like, oh, what are these? <gasps> Woodlice. Never mind. Go away. <laughs> That's a great scene in the yeah. show. She's like pouring them into her hand and then she like realizes what they are and she's just like, oh. it's like, it's so great. All visual. I love it. But like she's, you know, cleaning and organizing and getting things ready and she opens the chest and it's filled Ugh. with gross, rusty, bloody knives. Ugh. And. Like, and it smells like decay. Oh God. But yeah. she's like trying to like figure out how to dispose of it or, you know, bare minimum clean it. do with it, yeah. And so, but, like, as she's doing that, her first patient comes in. And I love that. And it's just, like, these guys holding another guy who's, like, hopping. And they're, like... a stupid kid, like, cut off his toe or something. Yeah, and then she's, like, all right, well, sit on the chest and let me see. I love that she puts him on the chest because it's just, like, you know what? I can't use this for this. I'm going to use it for, For like, a positive purpose. Yeah. Um... Love it. And she's trying to think about how to sterilize cobwebs. Which is so funny. Like, it's real. It's ingenuitive. Oh, yeah. You know? I'm curious if that would work. Yeah, me too. I don't remember. I don't think think I ever find out. (laughs) Read the last line because it's wonderful. The new physician of Castle Lioch was now in practice. She's such a fucking nerd. (laughs) Her commentary is literally, OMG, nerd. (laughs) She's such a nerd. I love her. I love her, too. She's so good. I think she's, like, weirdly relatable, but also, like, an idiot in the way that a lot of main characters kind of have to be to give the exposition to the audience. Yeah. But if you don't think about it too much, it does read as, like we said earlier, just kind of 
blundering through using what you got. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about a lot of comparing and contrasting with her and Jamie in these two chapters because, you know, we see a lot of Jamie kind of being, like, an adorkable nerd, and now here Claire's being an adorkable nerd. Like, they both have, like... Oh, nerd! I know. They're great. Um, they both have very different skill sets that they are really weirdly good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and they complement each other really well. But I think it's funny that, you know, people will sometimes try to put characters in boxes. And it's probably really easy on first glance to put them both in boxes. Like, Claire's kind of smart but sassy and Jamie's, like, brawny. Mm-hmm. But we get to see them be so much more than that. Even, like, we're six or seven chapters in right now. And I've already seen them be so many different things. Mm-hmm. They're really well-fleshed out characters. Yeah. Like, and, and this is one of the beauties of Diana's writing is the, like, full three-dimensional personhood of mm-hmm. her characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think I've mentioned before that, you know, everybody has so many different sides, but it doesn't read, like, indecisive. It just reads as real, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, there's always a justification for, you know, for, like, when Jamie's flying off the handle at something, you know why. You understand why he's doing it. It's not mm-hmm. just that, oh, I need to write him angry. Yeah. And I, I love that because it's so hard to do. So hard to convey. I, like, I need to bring this woman for lots of coffee and be like, help. How do you do? She needs to do like a Skillshare class. <laughs> Skillshare, sponsor me. Excellent. <laughs> I will do the thing. Well, we don't That's have any the quotes. Chapter. There's no new characters. Well, okay, old Alec is new. Old Alec is a new character. But he's kind of like... He's a, he's a minor character. He's a minor character. And I, I kind of like him. Um, I like him too. I think he's a good like mentor for Jamie. And kind of like a weird surrogate dad in this scenario. I think one of the things with Jamie is that he, like, has been, has, like, worn so many hats and had to be so many different things that he's been fine at. Mm -hmm. He hasn't fully come into being a leader yet. He hasn't fully come into being, like, a farmer yet. Like, he hasn't, like, like all of the the various roles that we will see him master... He's, like, just starting on. I know. But the one that he is super good at, that he knows he's super good at, and that he, like, feels comfortable doing is horse mastering. Yes. Right? It's just, And so he's like, oh, thank God I'm with the horses. Right? <laughs> like, I don't have to deal with people. I yeah. can just kind of be me and be chill and, like, not have to answer very awkward questions and, like, have all these girls throwing themselves at me all the time. Like, he doesn't even come down to the castle to eat. And, like, they mention, you know, he forgot or he slept through it. But, like, he's really fine with being on his own. And I think that's really important for coming back to, you know, when he lives in the cave, which we all know Mm -hmm. happens. Like, being okay with that. It's a really hard thing to be okay with. Yeah. Basic premise. Humans are social creatures. And Jamie deserves all the love. Yeah, he does. He's a good boy. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please review us on iTunes. It really helps people find the show. Thanks again. And we are the the Sassy Sassy Sassanax. Mind blown. (laughs) You know, I don't notice things for a long time. Like, you know the, the meme, like, how old were you when you realized I was today years old? Well...
I am today years old. <laughs>